How staring at the scoreboard won't help you win. Do the best you can with everything you got. Struggle day to day, cherish every fight you fought. Destroy your obstacles, remove the blocks. Got to stand strong, can you do it? Breakthrough, can you move on? Wherever you... Welcome to Find Your Aha Moment. I'm Brian Lutz from Backhand City. Well, today we talk about goals and expectations and how to get there. And in our modern society, especially in sports, there's a new term in our culture and it's called scoreboard pressure. And I think really what it means is players tend to perform with different levels of urgency and anxiety depending on the score. Naturally, some players may be more nervous at the start of a tennis match than they are in the middle of it once they've really gotten into a rhythm and broken a sweat. Also, players may respond to pressure when they are down and their backs against the wall, or they're coming to the end of the performance and they need to close out the match. And I think that's where tennis differs, differs from a lot of different sports is there's no clock. You can't dribble it out. You can't run down the clock. In tennis, you've got to finish the match. Now, I think one thing that's really big in our society, and you see this a lot, the way they're marketed in services and info products is, Everybody sets goals, big goals, be 10 times better, lose twice the weight that you normally would and keep it off. And I think a lot of the goals that we have are great, but without a system or a plan, these goals are just wishes. And I see it a lot in my industry too. You know, a lot of people, for instance, one of the more popular things in my industry is to develop a serve. And a serve in tennis is probably one of the most complicated technical things that you have to learn. There's just a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different hinges. And statistically speaking, you actually don't hit that many compared to forehand and backhand ground strokes. So one of the things that's helped me a lot with my students over the years is developing systems and models to help students reach their goals. Uh, think about the scoreboard pressure in the title of this podcast. Just staring at the scoreboard and being motivated to win is not going to get you in the win column. You're going to need daily systems and processes to help improve your game and then have a model that you can refer to when anxiety and pressure enters your daily life, whether it's on or off the tennis court. So some of the things that I'm going to mention here, you probably have heard before. I think some of the things with goals are they must be realistic goals. Like, for instance, I would love to win Wimbledon. That's not necessarily a realistic goal. And I think our culture and society will be like, don't smash anyone's dreams. Everybody can win an Academy Award. Not really. They only give out one a year. They only have a finite amount of categories, and with 7 billion people on the, on the planet, your chances of winning aren't that good, no matter how talented you are. Secondly, I think when you're tackling these goals within a system and a model, you need to take them off in small bites. Don't try to eat the whole entire birthday cake on your birthday, although I've probably done that. But the point is, 
The cake can last a few days. Take small bites, savor it, and enjoy the process of getting better. And you'll find, too, when this is going on, you're not even going to be thinking about the scoreboard. Maybe it's in the back of your mind. Maybe you're thinking about a tournament you want to win or a promotion you want to get, or you just want to get ahead and buy that new car. Last night I was on the court, and I was playing with some novice players, and we're playing this game called Live Ball. And it's really just a point play class with no instruction. What I'm really trying to do is just put them in match situations and just get them used to just playing with energy, playing when they're out of breath, playing with some even relative, relatively good efficiency, even though they're novice players and there's more missing than success going on. I want them just to get used to having their feet in the fire a little bit, take the training wheels off that we usually have when we're teaching them in their beginner class. And what struck me as I was watching him towards the end of the night, I was like, wow, these guys are actually getting marginally better. And when they were done, I thought to myself, you know what? I think these guys are about 7% better than when they started the class. So I blurted it out. I said, you know what? You guys look really good. I'd say you're about 7% better than you were from the beginning of the class. And they all just kind of laughed. And they're like, 7%? That's it? And I think what's happened in our society, everybody wants to double down. Everybody wants to be 10 times better. So when you tell somebody 7%, hey, it's a weird number. Can it be 50% better? Can it be 10% better? Why 7%? So I sat him down on the water break and I was like, listen, think about it. If you go out and practice for an hour every day for a week, right, and you got 1% better, that's really good. I know that Miami Heat try to get their players to be about 3 4% better as a successful season for the whole year. Now, one of the reasons they are at such an elite, talented level, it's really difficult to double how good they were the year before. When LeBron James played here, there's no way he's going to be 10 times better than, when, than what he was when he won the championship in 2011. It's just not possible. But what if somebody at, Le, at LeBron James's level can get 3% better? That's a huge leap in his performance. Now, for the novice level tennis player, 7% is realistic and big because their learning curve is so great. Now, one of the things I've really started doing the last few years is really focusing on systems and processes. And in my industry in tennis, it's very underserved. You go take a tennis lesson here in Miami. I've gone all over the country. There's really no systems and processes. You're just thrown out there. You hit some balls around, and just through sheer repetition, maybe you'll get better. But the problem with it is, is how do you replicate it day in and day out, and more importantly, grow your game? To do this, you need a plan, and you need systems and processes so you can evolve your game on your own when your coach isn't there holding your hand. So I've thought about some famous systems and processes, and I wanted to go over them with you kind of in and out of the sport of tennis. Uh, in football, for those of you who are football fans, 
Uh, in the 80s and 90s, Bill Walsh was a famous coach. He came up with the West Coast offense, and it was derived from a numbers and very descriptive play calling based on a lot of different nuance. Um, now, in modern-day football, it's even evolved even more. There's a lot of run-pass option for the quarterback position, so a lot of the systems now are based on a concept called RPO, which stands for run pass option. So the traditional drop back quarterback that you see play on Sundays doesn't exist as much as they've used to because the game's evolved, evolved a lot. In basketball, the center has really become a dying breed as the new systems are based on the concept of space and pace. So if you're seven feet tall, you need, you need to be able to run the floor like a gazelle and you need to be able to guard the perimeter and you need to be able to shoot the perimeter from the perimeter to space the court. You know, I was thinking about it in technology. Obviously, there's tons of systems in technology, uh, especially with the innovation of open source programming and software, which allows other people to innovate off other people's platforms. You especially see this in Facebook, Instagram, and of course, some of the latest technology in cryptocurrency. Now, one of the things I've tried to do a lot, and I focused on this, is to come up with terminology that communicates to these recreational tennis players in simple terms. So I've come up with very simple terminology in my class. So within the first two or three sessions of class, I'll pop quiz people. And they're able to recite some of the terminology back to me and where it went wrong, which I think is super huge in your development. Because when you're developing technique, especially in the sport of tennis, you're going to need to understand the concept and the terminology and be able to communicate that to someone else to show that you fully understand it. So systems and processes are huge. Uh, look at it outside of the sports industry. Go to McDonald's. They've got kids running McDonald's, and the reason they're successful and you see them on every block is because of their systems and processes. They have it in their food research and development when they make food. They have it in their sales processes. When you drive through the drive through there's a lot of upselling going on. Would you like fries with that? Would you like to supersize that? So there's tons of training that start very early in the employee chain there when they start at McDonald's. And it's kind of funny, like you look at some health food restaurants and I've gone to them and the service is terrible. They're actually giving you something that's better than McDonald's, but they're not nearly as successful because of their systems and processes. Now, one of the things in my field is coaches need to adapt to talent, right? I'm not going to force feed my philosophy on someone whose talent doesn't match that. But I can adapt my system and process so that student can find their strengths and utilize them. For instance, I would not be a good student if somebody made me play in a clay court, play eight feet behind the baseline, and just hit really safe, topspin, deep shaping shots and just grind people to the ground. It just doesn't suit my personality. I'm not very good at it. I'm really good at serving being aggressive, and ending the point. So these techniques still need to work 
within a system. And I think what you see with the great coaches and the great leaders in and out of the tennis industry is they're very good at adapting to each person's personality. So these systems and goals are great, but they need to be adaptable. And you as a tennis student, if you want to make your coach happy, ask a lot of questions and ask for more. Ask for more information. Your coach, your boss will pile on enthusiasm, which is going to translate to a lot of success if you really get into it. Uh, I was thinking about some other systems that are in our everyday life. Not only we talked about open source software, but think about the shipping industry. You know, I always laugh when I see a FedEx driver or a UPS driver get out of their truck. They're in a clean uniform. You know, they're hustling. They've got their mobile device in one hand, the box in the other, because they've got systems and accountability and checkpoints because they're trying to deliver a certain amount of packages in the most efficient way possible. And for instance, when you look at the United States Postal Service, you typically will see that person going for a walk. Their shirts are typically untucked. They're not moving as briskly as the people from UPS or FedEx. It's just a different culture. And it's all because of their systems. You also see this a lot in HR now. Uh, a lot of these companies have systems and processes to identify the best candidates. You go to the airport, you go through security, there's systems and processes there. You've probably noticed it with your accountant when you pay your taxes every year. There's a lot of systems and processes. And in fact, if you go to the retail side of it, H&R Block has a lot of retail processes to sell and market you their services. So one of the things I've tried to do, and we'll dive into this more as the episodes go, go along, is if you come to my classes, it'll be very profound when you get there. You'll see the model. You'll see the system. And you'll see the processes. It's, it's really the, a disciplined way of teaching that's much different that you've seen anywhere else. And I'll include this in the show notes as well. If you want to get an idea of some of my systems and processes, I've developed a, a little mantra or mission statement, as you, if you will, and it's called the 13 Commandments of a Tennis Coach. And I'll, I'll include that in the show notes so you can take a look at it. And I just would encourage you to just look at the, the systems and processes that are in your life. And when you go take a tennis lesson, see if there are systems and processes. And if there are, that's good. But I would be surprised if anybody has one formally. And of course, if you live in Miami and you'd like to learn tennis, there's no better place to go than Backhand City for systems and processes for beginners, intermediates, and advanced tennis players. Well, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to find your aha moment. And check us out on our website at backhandcity.com. And you can visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.